0: Amen. Name of Jesus. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. I'm reading from the first chapter, verses 21 through 28. I'll read from the New Revised Standard Version. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for worship. I thank you because it brings us before your throne, Lord. You deserve all the praise and all the glory and all the worship that we can bring with us every time. We ask, O Lord, now that you'll speak to us through this word. Open our understanding. Give us, O Lord, what you want us to hear. And help us, O Lord, to take it and apply it in our lives. Give me your thoughts, O Lord, to be my own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture today takes us to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And sometimes it's really, really hard for us to imagine Jesus as a nobody, as somebody who's not known, as somebody who hasn't done any miracles, as somebody who is just another person in the crowd. And so one of the challenges of reading about the early ministry of Jesus when you know the rest of his ministry is to imagine what it must have been like for people to encounter Jesus for the first time without him having done anything before that. In the scripture that we have just read, in chapter 1 of Mark, Jesus is at the very beginning He has gone out into the wilderness and been tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he was walking along the sea and picked up his first disciples. Simon, his brother Andrew, the sons of Sebedee, James and John, he simply said, follow me. And they left everything and came after him. Again, he hasn't done anything yet. No miracles, no big preaching, nothing yet. He's just at the very beginning of his ministry. And then we hear that he goes over to Capernaum. And it's really interesting because when you're starting something, normally you like to start off small, right? Something little, something to build on, something to just get you going and get started. Not Jesus. He dips right in from the very beginning. This is his first public expression of his ministry. It almost sounds like a bad joke. Four fishermen and Jesus walk into a synagogue. They go to Capernaum, they walk into the synagogue, and the scripture tells us that he begins to teach. And that he is teaching with such incredible authority that the people in the synagogue are simply amazed at how he's teaching. Now, whenever you hear somebody speak, the normal reaction that you have is, let me compare that person to somebody I've heard before. People do it with preachers all the time. They, if you've been in the church for a number of years and you've had several preachers, you begin to rank them from the top to the bottom of who you like for this or who you like for that. And you get all kinds of interesting answers if you start asking people about all the preachers they've had. But when it comes to preaching or speaking, people rank them. People compare them. Well, you know, this one used to speak like that, and that one used these illustrations, and this one always talked about his family, and this one did that. You know, you all have those memories. And so as Jesus got up in the synagogue to speak, you can imagine that all of the people that were there were immediately comparing Jesus to everybody who had taught at that synagogue before. They were comparing him to the scribes and the Pharisees that had gotten up and used very big words to, to talk about God and the scriptures that they were reading. They compared him to all of the other teachers of the law who had gotten up and given very eloquent speeches over the years and people with many, many gray hairs. You know, the, the kids were onto something. Many, many gray hairs that showed incredible wisdom when they got up to speak in the synagogue. And as they listened to Jesus, and they looked at him, you have to remember, Jesus was only around 30 years old. They probably thought to themselves, where did this whippersnapper get all this wisdom? Where does this young man get all of this authority as he speaks? Because you see, when when somebody speaks with authority, it means that they're speaking with knowledge and understanding of the subject matter that they're talking about. It used to be years ago that if you wanted to hear somebody talk to you eloquently about plumbing, you went to Home Depot, to the plumbing section, and there used to be a retired plumber or or somebody who was a handyman that worked in the plumbing department that actually knew how all these things go together. You could actually talk to an expert. That was the wholesale of Home Depot years ago. So you had somebody with the know-how to help you do what you needed to do. They had insight. They talked like somebody who knows where this goes and how to put it in. When Jesus spoke about the Word of God, he spoke with that same understanding, insight, and power. He spoke as somebody who had wisdom and understanding of the things of God, and he spoke as one who was familiar with the Word in an intimate way. He knew what he was talking about, and his grasp of the Scriptures reflected that. You know, when you meet somebody who has been in the Word of God, you can really tell because they can pull Scripture from the Old and the New Testament and put it together and share it with you. And you're like, how do you remember that and put that together? And, and if you've been in Sunday school, you've got some teachers like this. I know Jim's like that and several others. You know, you, you can pull from the Word of God because you've been studying, you've been in it. And therefore, you connect it in your mind. And this is how Jesus was. He is connecting all of these scriptures. He's speaking eloquently with power. And in the middle of his teaching, in the middle of being up in the synagogue, the scripture tells us that there was a man in the crowd that had an unclean spirit. And here comes the twist. Go big or go home. Right? Right? The scripture tells us that this man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. I want to tell you something. Evil spirits try to get into church all the time. They try to distract us from worship. They try to distract us from the message. They try to distract us from properly worshiping God with our full senses. They try to distract us from what we need to be about when we're here in the presence of God. You know, it's that, sometimes you think it's you. It's that evil spirit trying to tell you to worry about what you're going to go grocery shopping for later. It's that unclean spirit trying to tell you, you know, you really need to go and get a drink later or something. It's that evil spirit that tries to keep your mind on something else that is not God. It tries to distract you and create all kinds of havoc. And this man was in the synagogue. And in the middle of Jesus' teaching, he cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. There's only one group in Scripture that always knew who Jesus was, and had no doubt about it, the spirits. In all scripture, the people are wondering, is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he a reincarnation of a prior leader? Who is he? They kept wondering, they kept asking, who is he? Evil spirits immediately knew, you're the Holy One of God. You are the one. And the other thing that the spirits never questioned was the authority that Jesus had. Notice that these, this, this unclean spirit tells Jesus, have you come to destroy us? It's not, are you going to try to destroy us? Are you going to take a shot at getting us out of here? Are you going to make an attempt at talking, talking us out? No, no, no. It's have you come to destroy Destroy us. It's an acknowledgement that Jesus not only had the power, but the ability to be able to drive that unclean spirit out at a moment's notice. When you're starting your ministry, though, getting outed on the first day is not a good start because it it puts a target on your back. And this is basically what that unclean spirit was doing. It was outing Jesus. Immediately right there in front of all those people. But it noticed that he had the authority. Authority is defined as having the power to give orders or make decisions, the power or right to control or direct someone or something. What these unclean spirits were recognizing was that Jesus always has and always will have total authority over everything In earth, under the earth, and in heaven. And what that tells you is that Jesus is God, because who else has authority over everything but God? Right then and there, on day one of His ministry, before He's done any miracles, before He's done any great preaching, before He's he's brought anybody back from the dead, the, these unclean spirits are recognizing that Jesus is God in the flesh right there before them. But the affirmation of the man meant these unclean spirits knew who he was and what he was about. He was here to end them. He was here to eliminate them, to get them out. He was here to put an end to whatever torment they were putting on this man. So the question today from that is, do we know who the Holy One of God is and how much authority He really has? How much power, how much dominion He really has? That there's nothing outside of His purview, that there's nothing that is impossible for Him, that there is nothing that He can't do The evil spirits recognize it. Jesus is all-powerful and all-knowing because he is God. The scripture tells us Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, commanding him to be quiet and come out of the man and leave. Now I want to tell you something. Anybody can command an evil spirit. But if you don't have the authority of Jesus, it's not going to listen to you. Because you, by yourself, don't have the authority. You, by yourself, don't have the power to command. But Jesus does. Jesus has given us that authority. He gave us that authority when he ascended to heaven. He met with his disciples and he said, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth and below the earth, and I give it to you. To do greater things than I have done. At the end of his ministry, when he said these words, he had already done a lot. I mean, he had healed the sick. He had brought back the dead. He had cured lepers. He had walked on water. He had stilled the storm. He, You know, you, you got the whole rap sheet of everything he had done. And he tells his disciples, I give you authority to do greater things than I have done. So the authority has been given to us. And when Jesus exercised that authority, the unclean spirit convulsing the man and crying with a loud voice came out of him and left him. I want to tell you that Jesus' authority is unquestionable. There's nothing that shakes it. There's nothing that can limit it except our unbelief. We have to trust That the authority of Jesus is in us. The second thing is that Jesus is holy. He had no sin. He was the Son of God in the flesh, but he did not sin. And this gave him the authority to do all kinds of things to promote the kingdom of God. And he has given that authority to you, he's given you that power. He's given you that strength. He's given you the faith to believe that he can do it, even when you don't see it happening. The people that witnessed the exchange between the man with the unclean spirit and Jesus were simply amazed. They hadn't seen this in the synagogue. This was not the usual Sabbath day. This is not what they were used to seeing when they came together, together. They thought this is a new teaching with authority. He can command the spirits and they listen to Him and they obey Him. And I don't know about you, but people love power. They immediately went, we like this new teaching. He commands spirits and they go. That's pretty cool. We need to get behind this. What they failed to understand is that Jesus Himself was the authority. That Jesus himself was the power. That Jesus himself was God in the flesh. They just thought, new teaching, how cool. And we've all met people that get on the latest fad for about five minutes and then move on to the next fad. Jesus was saying, no, 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 I am who I am. I am the one. He is the righteousness of God with us. We like to have authority. It's great to have power and not feel powerless and not feel a victim and not feel like you can't control circumstances. It's great to be able to tell others what to do. We love to be the boss, right? Being charge. We don't like it when other people tell us what to do. Nobody likes that, right? But to have authority from Jesus is more than just power. It's more than just having the ability to to command spirits. To know the authority of Jesus is to know the author of life himself. The one through whom everything was made and the one who still sustains everything through his power. It's to have power directly from the source. You know, if this was electricity, this is like grabbing on to the 220. I mean, this is the real stuff directly from the source. And to be connected to God directly, it can only be done through the authority of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father Except through me. So, as you can imagine, Jesus' fame spread throughout the surrounding region. Everybody wanted to know about the man who was able to command spirits to leave, and they left. People wanted to know him, to know how he did it. And this is what began Jesus' fame. If you really think about it, this is the the catalyst that began his ministry because before he had even gone to do any of the miracles, people were already talking about this one event in the synagogue. It was done in public. It was done where everybody could see. And people could not explain it away. Later in Scripture, we find some people trying to say that he must be in liege with the demons because he had control over them because they were trying to find a way to explain away the power and the authority of Jesus. Well, Jesus taught people that his authority was not just for his use, but that his authority was to be used by those who follow him. If you follow scripture, you know that later he picked his disciples and he told them, I'm going to send you out to to do my work. I'm going to group you two by two. Go, don't take any money, don't take any purse, don't take any extra sandals. Just go. And wherever you go, just stay with whoever's there and share with them my ministry. And the disciples went with the authority of Jesus. And do you remember what happened? They came back with reports of miracles of people being healed, of evil spirits being driven out. And when the disciples came back, they were rejoicing with the authority, the power. We have the power. We're able to do all these things. And do you remember what Jesus told them? Do not rejoice that spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice in the power, rejoice in the one who has the power to save your life and forgive your sins and bring you into eternity. When we are his and he is ours, then we really have the authority because his righteousness is given to us and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, unclean spirits visited synagogues in Jesus' time. They visit churches today. They come into our churches to cause chaos and disruption, all kinds of anxiety and stress and fear. Evil spirits today still try to torment the believers that are trying to follow Jesus and to be faithful disciples. I want you to notice that in our scripture, Jesus sent out the evil spirit from the man, the unclean spirit, but he kept the man in the synagogue. The man didn't leave. The unclean spirit did. When we have somebody who is afflicted by an evil spirit, our command is to use the authority of Jesus to declare freedom for that person, to send that spirit away that is oppressing them, I mean, in our scripture, we don't even know what this man was oppressed with, with that unclean spirit. We just know it was squatting with him. You've heard that term squatting? An uninvited guest that just kind of stays and won't go away? Evil spirits try to squat with us all the time. And we have to recognize that we have the authority in Jesus' name to say, get out. Get out! I belong to Jesus Christ, get out! Jesus gave that man freedom from that spirit's oppression, and today I want to tell you that if you are being oppressed by any unclean spirit, you can be delivered right here, right now. Because the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus is still as true today as it was when Jesus gave it to his disciples before his ascension. It is still as true today as it was with the disciples in the early church. It is still true today because Jesus promised that when he gave us his Holy Spirit, it would come with power and authority to do his work. So if there's any unclean spirits here today, let this be your eviction notice you'll notice that today we're praying for you to leave and not come back. So right now, I just want to speak to those spirits. To the spirit of addiction, you have to leave. To the spirit of depression, your time has come to an end. To the spirit of confusion, we serve a God of order and purpose. To the spirit of discord, we serve a God of peace. To the spirit of defeat, we serve a Jesus who was victorious even over death. To the spirit of unbelief, you have to leave. Because we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. To the spirit of rejection, we have been accepted and welcomed into the holy place before God by the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. To the spirit of inferiority, we are preciously loved by God to the point that he gave his only son on the cross for us. We are precious before his sight to the spirit of abandon. Jesus has said he will never leave us or forsake us, so you must go. There's only room for one spirit in those who call Jesus Lord, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God will not share his place with any other spirit. So today the altar is going to be open because today I want you to evict any spirit, any lingering spirit that is trying to squat in your life. The spirit of fear and worry and concern, any spirit that is bothering you today, I want you to give it the eviction notice in this altar today. And I want you to leave without it. I don't want you to put it outside and then pick it up on your way out. I want you to evict it, send it out to be no more in your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the authority that you've given us in Jesus Christ. I thank you because you have given us your authority so that we can live our lives free from these unclean and evil spirits that try to distract us in our walk with you. We come before you today in this altar, Lord, recognizing that we don't have the authority by ourselves, but that you have the authority, and that you have called us to use that authority to declare our freedom. As we open this altar, Lord, I just ask you to minister to every person that will come, that you will let them know, Lord, that you are here that your Holy Spirit will be felt, and that your deliverance will be ours. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is open. If you want to pray by yourself, you can always come to the reserve section over here. If you come anywhere else in the altar, one of our prayer team will come and pray with you as we worship.